What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Watch from Mercury. This is a Mobile Suit Gundam Witch from Mercury Watch Along podcast. I am your host, Maxim. I'm your host, Alex. For a second, I thought you were going to accidentally do it. This is a Witch Along Mercury Watch. Uh oh. Dude, <laughs> I'm doing too many podcast intros. My brain <laughs> had to parse which show we were doing. <laughs> welcome to Don't Quit Your Mercury. Yeah, uh, welcome to Don't Quit Your Mercury. This is a podcast run by the studio about our journey as a small business. Wait, 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 wait. That's that's a different uh, one. <laughs> if this podcast gets big enough, you could. I, it would be really funny if you on your other show just did an episode where you just like interviewed Mirina. So like, okay, so put me there. Your mom's dead. Your dad's cold. <laughs> How do you become president? <laughs> I interview a body pillow for ninety minutes straight. <laughs> <laughs> Likes through the roof. A uh, lot of work. A lot of work. I was thinking. Um, for uh, additional content, uh, I think sometime we should do a. Uh, we should. I was thinking about we have multicam set up in the studio now. Uh, guys, my friend's basement studio, Brooklyn, New York. That's my business. Uh, if you need a uh, reasonably priced uh, podcast studio, hit us up. But I was thinking because we have multicam set up now, we could do like a bonus episode where we do like a build day where I get us some easy kits and then we just yes, build please. them on camera and we just, you know. We talk about it and just have fun with it and fast forward through the dull parts and go normal speed through the parts we're chatting about it. So, Listeners, if you want to watch me get really excited to build an Epion, then really frustrated building an Epion, and then pretty happy that I built an Epion, <laughs> I think we can get this arranged. I think we can get that arranged. Anyway. Yeah, I would love that. That'd be actually that really idea. fun. <laughs> I, thought, I thought about that this weekend. I was like, that'd be killer. Yeah. But uh, I do want to say uh, Patreon guys... Patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. You can support us and you can get an extra movie every month, movie review. And if you go to the next tier higher, which is only a couple bucks more, we have episodes of Shonen Jump the Shark, a new series where we do short, like 30 minute episodes talking about anime tropes, having some discussions with friends, chilling out. It's a good time. So, patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. Go subscribe, go support us. Yeah. This month, I want to give a shout out to Lisa and Matthew for subscribing. At the higher tier, too. So thank you guys Snipers. so much. You guys yeah. are amazing. Yes. it's uh, Our tiers are mass production type and sniper tier. Uh, so welcome our new snipers. Thank you so much for supporting the pod. All of our listeners are amazing. We should have, we should, uh, I know our, our baseline is five. We should do a $1 tier called ball. Ball? <laughs> <laughs> you don't get anything, but you, you know, you're a ball. You threw us a dollar. I think yeah. <laughs> if you if you subscribe at Ball, I'll um I'll write you a uh, I'll write you a, a character concept for your next D and D campaign or something. Yeah. <laughs> I'll I'll spend five minutes working on something just for you. Um. <laughs> anyway, so Patreon.com/slash Watch for Mercury and. Also, if you got anything to say, anything you want to send in, you got beef with us, you got theories about the show, anything you want to see, or if you have suggestions about what show we should watch next on Watch from Mercury, after which from Mercury ends, hit us up at watchfrommercury at gmail.com. We had That's a discussion this week of whether we think that Witch from Mercury is actually going to end at the end of this season. I'm not entirely sold, but I'm starting to agree with you. But there's going to be a season break, and so we've been batting around what to do. We were thinking maybe Mob Psycho 100, but we are very open to suggestion. Yeah, and guys, the I know I know you're all Gundam fans. Uh, 
But listen, here's the deal. I love Gundam. I have three high-grade kits sitting on my desk, mid-work in progress. Okay, I'm all about it. But we want to be able to reach a larger audience and bring those people back into Mobile Suit Gundam eventually. So we kind of want to spice it up, add a little variety to the show, and watch something week by week, because a lot of the fun of this show is making the predictions and having to wait a week to see what happens, you know? Yeah. So we're looking for some that's like coming out in the moment. So if you have suggestions, watch from Mercury at gmail.com. We almost sounded like we were breaking a divorce to a child. It's not that mommy and daddy don't love Gundam. It's just we need some time <laughs> apart from Gundam. It's we all know that Gundam isn't going to meet our needs when Gundam goes on a business trip until the new Gundam build a metaverse series in October. So <laughs> and some if we go back to old Gundam, sometimes it's weird and racist. So maybe we yeah here's the deal if uh we go back to old gundam um maybe a fourth of you listen <laughs> yeah we gave you a chance <laughs> yeah we gave you a chance and you blew it um it was fun but it's not the it same so we want to keep that week by week excitement going so if you have uh show suggestions about something that's going to air but about the time that witch from mercury ends or goes on break whatever let us know watch for mercury at gmail.com and with that being said, this week we have a whole slew of emails. Do we now? We have uh, two up top and we have two at the end, I believe. Uh, three at the end. Um, well, yeah, one of one of our lis- uh, listeners was kind enough to break their email into two sections and one of which says, okay, now read this part at the end. So very smart. Uh, <laughs> okay. 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 Let me let me find them. Okay, so we're going to start with an email from our friend Mike. Hey, uh, the the subject line is sorry for the longer than usual email. So (laughs) we love a self-aware king. Um, (laughs) Hey, guys, just like the title says, but don't worry. There's an entire part you don't have to read on air. (laughs) You guys were talking about the degree TV shows are planned out and advanced in the last episode. Uh, it's my understanding that anime have roughly two to three episodes fully written up before actual animation process begins, then or animation production begins. Then every other script is finalized as the show begins releasing. As far as I can tell, how planned out a show is depends on a lot of factors, like the length and whether or not it's an adaptation, of course. I do know that writing problems can be an issue at any stage of the production. The last quarter of Gundam Iron Blood Orphans had huge pacing skid and weird tone issues because of a director-slash-writer conflict. The director wanted everyone on the protagonist's side to die. The writers didn't, and while they were arguing it out, the show got slow and miserable for a while. Before the final compromise ending, Gundam Seed Destiny also had a ton of problems because the head writer was having health issues, and on on top of some not-great ideas, which screwed things up with the production scheduling and led to a ton of stock footage reuse. That's what happened to Gundam Wing 2, because the director really wanted Hiroyui to die, so he made a big show of him blowing up, and then the producers were like, no, 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 he's the main character, so they had to contrive a reason why he didn't die, and you can tell the show literally never quite recovers, because they're they're finding reasons to do the stuff they were going to do mm-hmm. pre-Hiro, when Hiro was supposed to die, but with him alive, 
and it just it never quite gels from from there. Yeah, on. you could make a compelling argument that that one decision fucked the entire plot of that show. I think it still would have had problems. It would have had a whole lot less problems. <laughs> and they had a recap in the middle because they were changing teams. Like it was all, it's a whole thing. Wild. It's crazy. Wildness. That, like the shows that are not adaptations. It's crazy how yeah. they just. Tr- truly are free balling it as they yeah. go <laughs> and i do wonder there's got to be also kind of a little bit of a difference between a show like a witch for mercury like a breaking bad that is a ticking engine of plot in how much they need to plan out and how much like a naruto or a dragon ball z where if they ran out of manga they'd just be like i don't know they do push-ups and scream so they've been doing up till now i guess <laughs> it's probably not the hardest to plan out like yeah, one's a chess game. One is a racquetball. Like it, it's just a lot more simple. I'd they assume. could literally just spend if if Witch for Mercury had a writer conflict, they could just have a whole episode of just mobile suits fighting it out on Earth, and we would all be happy. <laughs> yeah, we we wouldn't even notice there was a problem. We'd be it would just be that it's a, a a good robot fight to a show that doesn't know what to do with itself. It's just the jingling keys in front of the weebs. And you know what? Sometimes you need it. <laughs> Sometimes it's preferable <laughs> to learning new names and locations and motivations. Just, yay, lasers. Jingle, 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 jingle. Wee. <laughs> Wee. Wee. With the, the sound design in this show. A lot yeah. of jingling. A lot of good jingling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so next part of Mike's email. Alex comp- complained about the clone thing coming out of nowhere, but A, he's wrong, and B, he's totally not to blame for forgetting the setup for this. Way back in season one, when Saleta was joining the Earth House, there was a bit with the Ouija board saying she had 12 siblings. However, because there's no previously on Watch from Mercury recap, and because I'm 99% sure they dodged exposition on cloning to avoid the logical question of, why is Gund an issue if they can just make clone tissue replacements? <laughs> Alex completely forgot the foreshadowing, which ironically makes it feel like a lot feel a lot like what which ironically makes it feel a lot like the ass pole twists that got the head writer in trouble on Valve Rave. Here's the thing. I didn't forget about that. I've been waiting for them to pay that off for quite a while. I think they did a bad job. I've been remembering that going, all right, well, the number of the clone, the thing, maybe it's more poor kids, maybe it's data, whatever. I've been having, I I think about that actually quite frequently whenever I see Saleta because it was such a a high ball, uh, high high ball, high beam to, uh, it was a, it was, it was such a signal that like something's not right here. So, so no, I didn't forget what I think is that. And I already know they've already basically set up that clones are possible because the face swapping is essentially soft cloning. They have recreated tissue that wasn't supposed to be on your face to give you a new face. I believe that they have the technology to do this. I just think that, oh, who could, if Celette is not airy, who could she be? Is she a poor Earthian kid with a face swap? Is she this? Is she this? Oh, she's just a rando you grew in a jar and she was the one that lit. That to me is the least interesting answer. Yeah, that's why. I'm yeah. There. So I, I don't think that cloning is an ass pull in that like, oh, you're just dropping me. They can do this now. It sort of is like that because we've never seen a clone before, but it's not a huge stretch. I just think it's lazy writing to yeah, for who, that to be the twist. That's where yeah. I'm coming from. 
That makes sense. So, suck it, Mike. Who's the cuck now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, thanks for writing in, Mike. We'll read the second Thank half you. of your email at the end of the episode because you were so courteous about splitting it yeah. up. Um, so nice. Really appreciate that. All right. And our next email this week, I'm reading at the top. We're going to have one from our good friend Fergal because I forgot to read this episode last week. I checked our inbox, saw no unread messages and went, yep, that's it. And then as soon as the episode was done, I looked at my in- our inbox. I was like, oh, goodness, I forgot this one. So <laughs> always assume there's one. There's always one because Fergal, if there's one thing about Fergal, he'd be lurking in the inbox. (laughs) He'd be lurking in the watchformercury at gmail.com inbox. Sup, cucks? (laughs) Yeah, he's always, he's he's in here calling us cucks. He he knows how we play this game. Anyway, subject line, I was right, cucks. (laughs) (laughs) And keep in mind, this was for episode uh, 18. Well, gosh darn it, I spent two weeks thinking about the holes in the face swap and intending on writing an email detailing why I didn't believe Saletta was even meant to be disguised as Aerie, and then the show went right ahead and confirmed the clone theory. Uh, redundant explanation. So the reason I thought Prospera had no reason to face swap an or- orphan was because the Vanitas Institute were the only people who knew who Aerie was, and they were all dead. Cathedra might have had a file on her, but they would have assumed her dead since uh, Volkwagner, I fucking names, dude, was blown up, meaning they probably didn't confirm any particular kills except Dr. Cardo. And then that leaves the workers on Mercury, who were probably involved in what happened to Aerie themselves, since obviously Prospera didn't do this all on her own. Then I realized another key detail was that Saleta is eight years younger than Aerie, and anyone familiar with the latter would have questioned that. I believe this is why Belmiria said Saleta isn't Aerie instead of saying you had another daughter. Or I believe this is why Belmiria never said Saleta isn't Aerie instead of just saying you had another daughter. She knew Aerie would have been 25 and never thought that Saleta was meant to be her. I think the deception only ever existed for the audience. Okay. Um, other thoughts on the clone confirmation cloning seems to have come out of nowhere but I'm not too bothered by it since it's shown up in Gundam plenty of times before such as Peru and her 12 clones in Double Zeta Gundam wow I didn't even realize that there were 12 that's definitely a callback (laughs) I'm a little I I get where he's coming from on that I think that well they've done stuff like this in the franchise before so why not now is a little bit an excuse for what's happening because they still didn't do a great job of setting up that this would be the twist because yeah. to, to me, a good twist is not, uh, it, it should leave you with the feel. There was a David Fincher interview that I really liked where he was like the best second and third acts make you go, of course this would happen, but how did I not see it was going to. Right. So they did not do a good job and they did not do a great job of setting up the themes that would make us go, oh, fuck, she's a clone, of course, because we've been building toward it in in thematic other ways or with information. Like, it's starting to dawn on me, and I hope I'm not right, but I think I might be, that the whole face-swapped Elon thing is just meant to parallel Saleta and Aerie, and I think that's not not as good a one-to-one as it maybe thinks it is. 
And that's why I think yeah. I was so dead set on that theory because I was like, well, that why would they just introduce something that huge and not have that be the thing? Because that would make you go, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, of course she's a poor Earthian kid. They already showed me the having. They had a bot, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But now I'm like, okay, unless they're going to pay that off somehow later where maybe somebody else isn't who they say they are, it might just be meant to be there to to like I said, to be a parallel to it, but I don't mm. think it's a particularly satisfying parallel, even right. though it's it, not uninteresting. It feels, but it's it's not a perfect enough like comparison I for see me what to you go. Mean. Oh, I get what you're saying with the themes, you know? Because the cloning is more of a premise; it's not a punchline. We didn't yes. get the full weight of this reveal. Whereas mm-hmm. the face swap thing, we've already had the setup back with Elon. If it yeah. turned out she is a face swap, there's your punchline. There's your whoa moment you know the other one that you could they could have done is just literally have it be like oh Saleta is entirely made of gunned format parts and she doesn't know or something like that like you want these through lines like if this series had introduced someone as a clone in the first season Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. like been like oh we copied their genetic material to make this or blah 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 then if like literally if the Elons, if all they were were clones of Elon actual being yes. killed one after another when they failed, yes. this payoff would have been a lot better. Yes. And I think what's pissing me off too is that the the poor or the literal appropriation of a poor Earthian kid's body is such an interesting thing that I'm like, oh, so we're so the real twist here was something way less interesting. And you put it really well, I think, just now. We're like, a good twist has to be a punchline of sorts. And like, mm-hmm. a great, great twist should make you go, what? Not, yeah. what? Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you're going to love the next paragraph of this. You know? Okay. Um, so Puro and her 12 clones and double Zeta Gundam. And it's just one of those more believable concepts in sci-fi since it does occur in nature with certain plants and animals and has been artificially accomplished with animals like Dolly the Sheep. As I mentioned before, many fans believe that an explanation will appear via the work of Mirina's mother who wanted to apply plant science to humans and may have included perfect duplication. I did, however, agree with Alex that it would be narratively satisfying for the Elon body double science to find more use. Thank you. And something I've previously considered was if anyone could be replaced with a copy without the audience's knowledge. Scroll. That would be crazy. In particular, when Marina was suddenly back at school three episodes ago, I wonder if it could have been a PL agent, but that wasn't the case. However, who's to say that won't happen later on since PL is now work- working with Shattuck? Maybe Nika, in quotes, will suddenly return to Earth House. This is a vibe. I love there, this one. That would be really cool. There is a part of me, and I think this touches on, on something important that I've I've expressed to you uh, in, in uh, private texts where I'm like, I'm a little worried that when we get to the end of the show, we're going to realize we maybe didn't like it as much as the show we accidentally wrote while watching it that it turned out to not be. Because last week, we were both kind of increasingly pissed off. And this one was much better, but I still think uh, I, I've, you know, I think it carried over a couple of the flaws that have been building as to now. But, like, you know, how much of the of us going, come on, more airy stuff, What? because we were like, we need to know what it is. And then we're like, oh, that's what it is? Cool. I'm going to write a fanfic where it's the thing I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I'm, so, I'm hopeful, but I am yeah. cautiously hopeful. 
cautiously hopeful is a good way to put it. And then uh, I'm going to read this uh, next little bit, and then we're going to move on to the episode because there's a lot of email here. (laughs) Uh, Gundam Schwarzet. We've known the Schwarzet was coming for months because the model kits announcement and the identity of its pilot has been a hotbed of theories. Ghoul has always seemed like the most likely candidate, but Prospera and Soletta were both considered, the latter especially now that she's lost her own Gundam. Felsi also suddenly became a candidate when in episode 16, Cecilia wondered who was going to be Mirina's groom, and it cut to Felsi of all characters. I myself started to think the show would put a completely un- would pull a completely unexpected move and have her beat Soletta by, giving- by being given the Schwarzette which was clearly a Jeturk suit, and at the time, she was her only remaining pilot character. But of course, that didn't happen. In retrospect, I guess that shot was meant to represent the sad state of Jeturk house in general, since she was looking at Lauda's Delanza. Have a great day, and may your shield be a thousand, a thousand guns that are also the older sisters you didn't know you had. <laughs> great email, Fergal. A lot of good yeah. stuff to consider in there. I do. I, I am hopeful that the Schwartz set's gonna look cool because, uh, it's a it's a pretty good design, and it the the thing that made me kind of intrigued was it's clearly not been painted, which means it's gonna have a bang and paint job when we get to nope. see it. No, it's black. The that's kid the is, thing. It's not black. Kid, it's like a sad gray. That's the that's yeah, it. Yeah, it's black Fuck. and gray, but it's got like a huge sword, which is okay. so cool. I was like, oh, this is it. Cause I thought it was like, it gave me the vibe of like, you know, when Iron Man made the suit, but then he was like, nah, let's kick some fucking red in there. I was like, oh, this thing's going to look amazing. Oh, that's it. Great. Cool. <laughs> Just gray. Gray. <laughs> okay. I appreciate the, the suit so far. It also was very in the dark. Colorful. The lighting was bad. So yeah. So you, the show I'll hasn't showed the full picture. And based off the kit promo photos, it has this big chunky sword, but the big chunky sword looks like it opens up and there's something inside it, but we don't see it yet because they haven't released it. It's so clones. It could, it, yeah, it's clone. It's clone <laughs> juice. It's clone jizz. Oh, uh, you got clone juice all over me. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, thank you for writing in Fergal. We'll get your email for this episode at the end. So that's it for a listener mail this week, guys. Uh, remember to hit us up at watchformercury at gmail.com with whatever you got, theories, predictions, anything we missed, any beef you got. Keep it to a reasonable length. Um, and yeah, let's get into the episode. So this week, we are talking about episode 19, Not the Best Way. Uh, what was your vibe this week? It was much better than last week. Yeah. It had some great fighting. It had mm-hmm. a really solid twist which we'll get to. Uh, I think I've had to kind of come to terms with the fact that I think the machinations of the organizations is the least interesting part of the show for me. And Mm. I only actually give a shit about it when it affects the emotions of our like four ish main characters. Yeah. So the more they talk about this house going to do this, but there was a secret thing. I'm like, unless it's going to make me arena sad, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm yeah. having a hard time, like getting the enthusiasm for more groups. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one did a solid job of, like I said, the machinations it was setting up were a little tiresome, but they all affected the emotional through line of Miarine and Soleta and Prospera, which is the storyline I actually really care about. Right. Yeah, there was um 
I had to, during my re, it took me a minute to figure out what the hell is going on. Like I watched this episode and I was like, oh, Alex is totally going to text me that he's confused. (laughs) (laughs) But you didn't, which is great. Uh, Cause I was confused. I was like, what I texted you was who the fuck is Till? Yeah. (laughs) So so kind of. But yeah, the whole like uh, the Oaks Earth reveal, like I was like, okay, this is some prologue power coming back. But yeah. I was confused about the tank scene, about like what we'll get there. But I guess my whole confusion with this episode is why is Prospera stoking the flames of conflict? Because she's she pulled a psyop. She's she did she did a false flag attack. Like basically, on, I get that now, but it's like the thing is, I don't know why. why but she but she framed she essentially framed Earth for uh, an attack on space. Which is interesting, but you are right. If you think about it for two seconds, you're like, wait, how does that further quiet zero? Like, <laughs> yeah, and she might, she might, we might get it next week. Who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, I was confused, but I love this episode. This episode was great. Any episode where the theme music starts playing, but they're still showing scenes instead yes! of, yes, you know, it's good. <laughs> I have fallen in love with that end theme. I, I listen to it on my, in my spare time and nothing makes me happier when like they're closing a scene and it's so dramatic that they begin to play. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, this is going to get fucked up. And then they hit the, they, the drums come in when the real credits do. It's so good. It's it's great. It's growing on me. Yeah. To be fair, though, I never, ever, ever would listen to this in my free time. The only anime song I've ever, I ever listened to regularly is the making of a cyborg for Ghost in the Shell. It's just okay. like something about it is so cool. And riding the train, listening to the Ghost in the Shell soundtrack is like, yeah, <laughs> the future. <laughs> <laughs> do, do me a favor next time you're at the gym or like on a stairmaster or something just go to anime openings spotify and hit r- shuffle you will thank me because you will be like fuck yeah i can do this they go, they, the, they get the job done they get the, the job goaded done. ones for me are the all the attack on titan intros all yes. all amazing uh the Naruto, we are fighting dreamers. Yeah, that one's sick. Yeah. And then the you don't haven't experienced this yet, but when you do, you'll love it. It's the it's the Hunter Hunter outro music. Ugh, it's my, like meth. <laughs> my my favorite of all time is Tank Cowboy Bebop, but mm-hmm. that's much oh, less. That doesn't that's feel the like intro. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that doesn't really feel. Are we only talking end themes? No, We're no, talking no. intro. Intros, outros. Okay. Um. Well, the the outro to cowboy bebop real folk blues also amazing but it doesn't feel so much like anime music my mm. current goat is kickback from chainsaw man which i can't believe i didn't bring up on the show but it's that's maybe my favorite baseline of all time fuck yes but it's what's, so good what's always hilarious to me is in anime intro music their use of like heavy metal sounding themes or like yep. screaming, but mm-hmm. then also following it up with like the happiest pop ever. Like it's, yeah. it's such like anime intros are like hyper pop before hyper pop. It's such Pretty a much. mash of genres. I'm like, did 100 Gex put this together? Yeah. And <laughs> we, we got to get back to the episode, but just quick shout out to, I can't remember the name of the group that's done a few attack on Titan openings, but they have put musical motifs across the, the different songs they've written, which brava, 
That is like <laughs> musical theater shit in my anime, and I'm I, I'm happy about it. I'm happy about it, frankly. All right, and uh, call that a mecha anime, kind of Attack on Titan. They're piloting. They sort spirit. of is right in, in spirit. spirit, in sort of a weird way that like you're way. like if we define mecha anime as you riding inside a big thing, then yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. It's kind of, uh, I, I mean, I, there's a, a meme that went around is like, if Attack on Titan is, an, is a mecha anime, then two pregnant women fighting is a mecha fight. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're half an hour in and we got to start yeah, we gotta, this episode. We got to do podcasts. So um, my favorite anime middle credit song. <laughs> no, um, we start the episode with a view of Earth. We see Ghoul, Mirina, and Avery heading to Earth via the Permet Elevator, and I'm very excited because I got to see it. I said I wanted to see it, and they sh- they showed it. So it's no yes, longer please. what is it? What does it look like? It they actually showed it, and um, the music in the opening when they're headed down to Earth has such a cool Blade Runner vibe that I like made a note of it. I'm like, this vibe is so fucking sci-fi, it rules. Like, you know, just headed down to Earth in a big box. Uh, Mirina looks down on Earth. You know, she's always wanted to go, so she's being a little introspective. Uh, Captain Avery walks in the room and he says he hates being on Earth because of the gravity. He's like, I'm so big, it weighs me down. <laughs> that, can we stop with the fat jokes in this anime, please? It sort of feels mean. This one wasn't too bad. This one, yeah. like, I feel like for characters of different sizes, they haven't been as mean to them as they could have been. That's like, true. I feel like, like they're all just putting on this one guy, though. Yeah, like, this, he, I, yeah. He's getting the butt of it. But also, yeah. like, you look at, uh, like, Lilik. Like, Lilik is, like, a bigger girl. And yeah. they, like, early on, they were like, all the boys like her. And then it's yeah. like, cool. No, no joke. Yeah. Um, Let's see. So, anyway, he's like, I don't like gravity because I'm big. Um, Imagine that. Weightlessness would be pretty chill. Uh, so Mirina's like, uh, ask Ghoul if he hates Earth. She's like, I thought you hated Earth. And he's like, oh, I just wanted to go there to check out the situation again. And then she basically says under her breath, she goes, are you really the same Ghoul Jeturk? Because she is aware of how much his personality has changed. It's crazy how different he is from episode one, you know? Yeah. I really like what they've done with Ghoul because, Mm -hmm. like I said, they did it slow enough and when it had to go fast, they did it for drastic enough reasons that I buy that this guy is actually a grown-up version of who we met. And he became, in a lot of ways, he started as kind of a shonen trope and then became mm. a real person in yeah. a way that I thought was really well done. So when his, she's like, yeah. Jesus, you're not a turd anymore. And he's just like, yep, killing your dad will do that to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> killing your dad and then having a child die in your arms will probably basically. do that to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. And then Gule is like, you can't handle the negotiations alone, um, which I don't think was supposed to be like uh, a roast or anything. I think it no. was just like, I'm here to like support. Um, Prospero waits inside Ariel, um, I think on the same lift. She gets a phone call from her henchman whose name I can never remember. And he okay. tells her he tells her that the Space Assembly League may have sniffed them out. And she goes, the wait is over. Proceed with the plans. 
was I supposed to remember who this bald guy is? Because he looked familiar, I they guess. S- they said but... his name like twice, but he's just her like attendant, basically. Okay, yeah. He's insignificant enough that I couldn't even find him on Google. Like, I'm <laughs> sure he has a Gundam fandom page, but I tried finding it and I had no success. So yeah. <laughs> I feel like the show would do well with three fewer organizations and like four to five fewer characters. Yeah. And it would kind of help something because we've we've had yeah, had a few times like, oh, shit. What? Who is that? Was I supposed to remember? OK. <laughs> it's not a great feeling. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts here. I think yeah. if you watch, if you binged this series in like a couple days. It'd be easier to retain some of the information, but week by week, it's like, oh, it's yeah. been t- two months since we've seen this character. So <laughs> Yeah, the week by week is definitely not helping the Byzantine plot kind of gel mm-hmm. together emotionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she's like, proceed with the plan, so she's up to no good. Um, back at the Earth house, so the, the students are trying to get Soleta to come out of her room. She is laying in bed, sad and crying and skipping all of her classes which no surprise and uh this is how this is how i thought she was gonna be after she squished someone <laughs> yeah it's weird that, that, that what, what finally made her go full uh hermit was was being was was not ketchup packing packeting that dude it was oh my mom flew away which is mm-hmm. every reason to be sad for that but she really she did recover and now that I mention I think about it, it does bug me a little bit that we never had really any emotional repercussions for her about that because we know she's a good enough person that she should, which is why you and I were like, Oh, she's being brainwashed, and now it's like, Oh, she's not? So it just didn't bug her that much because and I'm not saying it's like, oh, because she's an asshole. It's just like, did the show just not know what to do with that? In the show it feels that, weird. In the show that I'm writing in my head next to the show we're watching. <laughs> <laughs> Soleta spends the first eight episodes of this season like torn up inside about killing someone and Mirina justifiably still being upset with her. And they spend eight episodes distant and like emotionally fucked up. And then somehow uh, Soleta finally gains the courage to pilot Ariel again in order to save everyone's life, and then something like that. <laughs> in the show, in the fan fiction I'm writing, show along with this, the one that killed that guy is a clone, and this Soleta is a different clone, and they've been kind of leapfrogging each other, and eventually they're going to have one of those Spider-Man memes where they both point mm. at each other. Now that's and, emotional. <laughs> yeah. And then they fill each other in on the plot, and then they both get smacked by another clone, and that's the letter from now on, and we just sort of forget about the whole multiple ones. Love it. Love it. Uh, yeah, Cut so she's print. in bed. She's sad. The Earth House students can't get her up. Um, and the Earth House students are like, I wonder where Martin is. And then in the dual committee lounge, uh, Martin, in a pure fan service fetish moment is painting Cecilia's toes. Um, I have mixed feelings about this scene because on the one hand, I thought I, I thought it was kind of fun for him to be like her to be that petty. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, the fact that I think this scene is so good at at catching us up to speed of where his um, his emotional guilt is at, they could have just done this and not that weird Haro confession scene. 
this could have been exposition enough that he ratted somebody out, that she's just lording over him. We go, why is he painting her toe? And then he could say why, and we go, oh, shit, he was the one that ratted out Nika or whatever. We didn't need yeah. Bless Me Haro For I Have Sinned. We could have just done this one. And it still wouldn't have been perfect, because I honestly didn't remember him doing that at all. But... Yeah, I think this one, still. this scene, I would have... Like, I understand it's like, oh, she has something on him, so she's being petty and, like, making him do stuff for her. Painting the toenails with the close-ups on the feet, I'm like, we're all, we've all been on the internet long enough to know that this is not what it looks like. This is for the people who are making creepy figures for their shelves. Um, I don't know was not like this scene it's crazy because it is good but i would just rather have them have the same scene except he's doing some bullshit like folding her laundry or cleaning like the dual committee lounge or something like that you know or or painting her fingernails or painting her toenails but they just don't linger on it weirdly yeah (laughs) cut to it for a second and then it just shots up so it's not we go oh let's get a let's get a get get a good angle on the detail on those toes yeah yeah so she tells him she tells toes when bandai (laughs) (laughs) dude trust me there are there's already too much cecilia fan art we don't need oh oh, yeah that character is designed to be yeah repository of all the fan service basically yeah and, uh, well, she tells him to do paint her toes evenly or she'll rat him out. He's like, why? I have nothing to hide. And then she basically calls him out for giving up on talking to Nika. Um, and he realizes that he failed as the house leader and he failed Nika. And he just basically starts explaining how he was trying to do his best. And then as he blabbers, uh, Cecilia jams her lollipop in his mouth and tells him to just say that then. And she says, it's annoying to see an underdog being so stubborn. And then he cries like a bitch. Um, So she actually like helped him realize like him ratting Nika out is like him giving up on Nika because he wasn't he wasn't going to keep trying to go the extra mile to understand what was going on. Basically, frankly, I'm really glad that they they didn't drag out this uh he's her her servant for like multiple episodes it's it's there for a second to be a bit and then she's like you know like just, you shouldn't have done it but you don't we don't have to really do that like she gets bored mm-hmm. of it before uh, before it becomes a, a running thing which i thought was a really good way to play it because it felt to sort of like okay this isn't fun anymore if you're like actually in pain because she's not a yeah. psycho and uh, it just it felt like this, this anime was choosing to not go full anime for a minute. And I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to put it. <laughs> yeah. It felt like this could have been a whole this could have been a little filler arc. Uh, if yeah. You want to check out our I... Patreon. But it just shows to just be like kind of how it would be in real life. Like, Jesus, stop crying. OK, you don't have to you don't have to do this anymore. Like this scene. It when I saw he was painting her toes, I was like, oh, my God god do we have to and then when the scene ended i was like all right well i'm happy with that that's how i felt good exposition uh so on earth um uh mirina ghoul and avery head to the negotiations in a limo while being escorted by multiple mobile suits big halo 3 vibes here 
Mirina doesn't like that they're being escorted by mobile suits because it's like a peaceful vibe. They're supposed to go to have peaceful negotiations. And then Avery says, "You'll think they'll you think they'll cooperate so easily." As they drive past a ton of anti-spacian signs hanging on a fence, uh, Prospera and Ariel fly overhead, and Avery says, even without weapons, it looks daunting enough to quiet them down. And as they, you know, pass through, tons of civilians are basically staring at them. It was a little strange because I get that she doesn't want so many mobile suits, but the the crux of her plan was we bring suits, but they don't have weapons. So now it's like, Okay, so you don't want the suit? It feels, I'm not going to say it's terribly inconsistent, but it just sort of feel like, wait, wasn't that the deal? But maybe she just really wanted Ariel and nothing else, and they like strong-armed her and put more. But it seems like that that was, it seems like that was sort of the point of her plan was we show a show of force that is in in essence harmless. I also have in my notes, uh, they're, they're yelling about permit monopolization. I just wrote, permit is the spice. Yeah. It's the spice. Yep. It's the spice. It's the spice. Which is why yeah. I wish they had set it up earlier that it was a huge deal and not done it in fits and starts mm-hmm. as we were getting into the plot already. So the one thing about the weapons thing that confuses me, I understand having Ariel there unarmed as like an intimidation factor. Yeah. Later it becomes clear that all these mobile suits have guns. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, okay. So, at PL Technologies, the old ladies have heard that Mirina is about to in- begin negotiations with the Earthians. Elon Actual says, if they crush the Earthians with that Gundam, more people might end up supporting Mirina. And Shattuck says, that won't happen. Mirina herself would never allow it. So, basically, it's like, if they go to Earth and fuck up the Earth- Earthians with mobile suits, the Spacians will end up voting for Mirina. <laughs> Which is kind of messed up, but... Which, if we're going to use... If that's foreshadowing that this is going to help her, that's actually kind of interesting because she's clearly so guilt-ridden about it by the end that if this is what gets her the win, she's going to have a hard emotional time with it. So actually, I like that. Yeah. Um, at the Space Assembly League, Belmeria and uh, Feng Jun sit together at a table full of desserts. Bell's like, what's this about? Feng Jun is like, I wanted to have a girls' night out. At present, the High Council is planning to forcibly suppress the Benaret group. If worse comes to worst, there could be a clash. Nevertheless, we'd still like to find a way for both sides to work together. If the group loses its position, you'd be scapegoated for breaking the Cathedra Agreement. So basically, like, if a conflict breaks out, the Benaret group is totally going to pin all of the Gundam shit on Belmuria because she worked at PL Technologies in the Gundam division. Yeah. She was like close to that. And Feng Jun is like, oh yeah, you got to tell us what you know so we can prevent you from being like the butt of all this, which is like kind of using a fear, fear as a negotiation tactic. Um, also side note for me personally, I didn't realize the expression is if worse comes to worst, I thought it was like if worst comes to worst, okay. like if the two worst things coming together, that that's what I thought it was. And then when I read it in the subtitles, I was like, from worst to worst. Oh, my God. It makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> there's a I can't remember if you call this a meme or not, but one of my friends was like, yeah, you know, there's that thing of like, when did you realize you were stupid? And everyone's got that one thing. 
Mm-hmm. Like I realized I was stupid when I found out when I fully cognized that when you break a bone, it doesn't necessarily mean the bone broke in half. It can just have a little bit. I was like, oh yeah, of course. Otherwise, everyone would be mangled at a certain <laughs> point in their life. Huh? Yeah. I'm dumb. <laughs> yep. So uh, everybody gets one. Is my point. <laughs> everybody gets one. Everyone gets a hundred. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, Belmeria freaks out at the statement. Feng Jun is basically using her fear as leverage to share what she knows. But Bell gets up and is like, this has nothing to do with me. And she tries to leave, but Space Assembly League man stops her. Back on Earth, outside of the some type of space of stately building, a crowd gathers around the limousines and they're chanting, Spaceians go home and all sorts of other shit. They're pissed off. Nobody nobody is sure how the people know that they're there for negotiations. So someone tipped off the Earthians. They're like, oh, they're going to negotiate something with the Spaceians on this day. So to me, it feels like some Shattuck tomfoolery. Uh, Mirina, Prospera, it's somebody. Somebody got it. Um, Captain Avery is like, oh, maybe we should go back. This looks unsafe. And then Mirina points out that none of the people are armed and that they just want their voices heard. And my note says, wow, I wish people in real life were this calm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they don't have weapons? Oh, maybe we won't shoot them. <laughs> yeah, it just on a... It, yeah, you're right. The, the worst people on this show are not as bad as, like, the average Republican in low office. Like... Yeah, the average, the worst people on this show are not as bad as every small town cop. Yeah. (laughs) You know there's one guy in space going, those Earthian protesters are paid by Soros, though. Yep. (laughs) So, uh, Gule gets out of the limo. A boy bumps into him. It's the kid from the Dawn of Fold camp. Uh, Security takes the boy away. Gule asks Mirina if she can negotiate on her own, and she's like, of course I can. And then Gule and Avery follow the boy, and Mirina goes into the negotiations. And when she gets in there, nobody introduces themselves, and nobody shakes her hand. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which is great for my episode notes when I can't use people's names. Uh (laughs) Yeah, there's there's Doctor, there's everyone else, and there's there's Mirina. There's main guy, guy who says one or two things, and then Mirina. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Pretty much. And I honestly, the, the because we don't know who set it up, like I kind of had a hard time being like, wait, did they call ahead? I don't know. They're all in the room. It's, I don't, it's whatever. Like, <laughs> so, uh, Mirina, here, that's what matters. Mirina tells them that the Benaret group intends to build a new development facility in Quinoa Harbor. It will increase local employment by 30%. At which point she's interrupted by the main guy telling her that 1,529 people are dead or missing from Planet Queso and from the Benaret group's search for the perpetrator perpetrators. So there, she's like, hey, we have a thing that could help with your jobs. And he's like, there are a bunch of people who died. Where are the dead people? Yeah, Wouldn't it be terrible if in real life America law enforcement acted like this? Good thing <laughs> they don't. Good thing Just they arresting don't. and murdering people to, in search of, I don't know, one person using it as an excuse to crack down on everyone. That would be awful. So awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm trying to see if they... I just Googled this. I was trying to see how many people have died by police this year alone. <laughs> A little grim. Um, mm. But... Uh, 
There'll be a number somewhere. I was reading an article about that cop city and how they they're they're trying to control the narrative of like you know the the protesters there are outside agitators they don't actually live in Atlanta but if you follow the money on who's trying to make cop city it's all people who live outside of the demographics so they're the actual outside mm. agitators. Okay, so so far in 2023 it's 344. Mm. So we're getting up. We're by the end of the year, we should be at a thousand based on previous years. So we'll, we'll yeah. be close to a planet queso level of trauma. Um, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> we should have another tier where it's just where we get all our lefty screeching. Yeah. At. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Marks from Mercury. Um, basically, basically call it the death scythe or the death sickle, perhaps. There tier? you go. Uh, um uh. <laughs> So I also want to say, for those who are mad at me already, um, I'm calling it Quinoa Harbor because Keen Harbor is too close. And <laughs> and that's what we do. It's, pl- it's Planet Queso. It's Quinoa Harbor. Yep. And you can grow up. All right. Um, <laughs> you, can like, get, you can actually subscribe to another Patreon tier where we say things right. It's yeah. the same show with, with good pronunciation. And no but jokes. It costs- no jokes. It costs $69. $69, baby. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah, when that, that per- someone on Reddit was like, why do you mispronounce all the names? Uh, didn't you watch the dub? And I'm like, I watched the dub twice, baby. I'm watching subs. I'm making it up as I go. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like, this many people are died or are missing, blah, blah, blah. And then the other guy go, and he goes, you arrested people without reason and detained them and guy number two says some of them were tortured as well Mirina says she was like i never gave any orders like that and he says you merely weren't informed your monopolization of permit the proxy wars you force onto us through war partitioning those are already unbearable but if you make us suffer further by going outside the law we will do the same all spacians must leave earth that is our demand wouldn't it be great if the left was this good at organizing mm-hmm. in real life because this group has organized they have demands and they are not backing down they're like you broke the law we're prepared to break the law too if we have to for self-defense mm-hmm. and then they have to the space spaces to deal with that it's like man occupy earth essentially right the uh I'm thinking about it, I'm like every time the leftist uh, group has risen to power and successfully done what they do, uh, I think the reason why is because they didn't have the internet or a message board to fight amongst themselves on. <laughs> yeah, because they didn't have Twitter to to start yelling. Yeah, they were like, oh, if we just hang out, we can all decide on something and do action. But now we're like, what if we all were mad at a TV show or something? <laughs> yeah, like, what if what if we go to the protest, but before then we we argue about if uh, if anime is problematic, and everyone knows <laughs> it is, but for different reasons. We'll never get to the damn protest. <laughs> so. At the Jet Turk hangar, the Gundam Schwarzet is hanging out. Uh, Lauda Neal is mad that it's there. He's like, where did this come from? It's funny to be so mad about it. Um, the guy he asks has no idea. He just delivered it. He's like, it's a joint vet- venture of Jet Turk and Gundarm, which is a straight-up lie because Mia Arena last episode was like, nope, we are not saying that. So someone delivered this mobile suit and said it was a collaboration, probably Prospera. Yeah. At Grassley, 
and the uh, Grassley House holding cell. Uh, Noria is drawing again, and she's repeating to herself, die, 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 die. Um, she throws down her sketchbook. Elon 5 looks at it, and then she attacks him. He subdues her, and she's cursing under her breath. She says she wants to kill all the Spacians, and she ends up crying because Sophie is dead. Noria's- this is a really heartbreaking scene. Is it implied they were romantically involved? Uh, or am I or or am I reading too much into that? Because I wasn't sure of it, and I was like, "Is this show trying to like ease the, a, the do a parallel of Saleta and and Miarine, or are they just super besties and sisters?" And you know, essentially, and one of them is is dead. I think there's um there could be a hint of a possible romance forward. So uh, Noria says she's afraid to die, and basically Elon Five holds her hand and he like sympathizes with her. And that's where the scene ends. But I think it's like one of those things where it's like he holds her hand to calm her down. It's getting that shot. I'm like, oh, they, he, they realize how similar they are because he's doing everything he does because he doesn't want to be disposed of and die either. So he understands like the horror of piloting a Gundam and all this. Oh, wait a minute. Are they are they setting up that these two are going to fall for each other? Oh, that that's yeah. Is that is that okay. what you were asking about? <laughs> no, I was asking. Did, did was was Sophie like her? Girlfriend? Oh, they were just they were just friends. Or okay, like, uh, sisters I, or something. I don't know if I love her and Elon falling in love because it feels too rom commy that they were at each other's throats. I think this scene is good. So if if it's played well from now on, I I won't make a big deal. But like. They were put into a room and they were at each other's throats and now they're holding hands. I'm like, oh, we're, we're doing this? Yep. Okay. They're totally doing that. <laughs> yeah. That, that annoys me, but if a romance, sometimes like tropey stuff, if it just gets a good foothold and is good from then on, I will forgive. But that does feel like some tropey bullshit. A little yeah, bit. Up till now. A little bit. Um, we'll see. I'm guessing that they'll kiss before Mirina and Saleta do. <laughs> oh, God. Don't get me fucking started. So, on Earth, between negotiations, uh, Mirina is watching the Gundam promo video featuring Saleta, um, so she misses her. Um, she goes back into negotiations, and she shows the Earthians the Gund legs, which were, quote, designed and developed by Earthian students at the Astacasia School. And then one of them says, now you weapons merchants want us to sell med- want to sell us medical products too? And he said, just now... You demanded that all Spaceians leave Earth. That means Earthians must leave space. That's a demand I flatly reject. They're my valuable partners. I can't lose them in such a separation. I don't claim to understand how enraged you Earthians are or the economic obstacles you face, but even so, I seek dialogue. Please give me a chance. And he says, how can we trust you when you don't have the final say? And she says, would you trust me if I became the group's president? He says, is that your intention? And she says, I now understand that's what I really need. He says, we can't engage in negotiations with you. Ten days until the results of your presidential election are clear, we'll suspend all protest activities, which is very exciting for me, Arena. And she says, he says, leave the deal making to the politicians. Besides, if we're going to talk, I'd rather talk about that. And he points at the gunned legs. I am a doctor after all. This scene is I really liked because this is an example of the kind of political chess game stuff this show i think does really well that it's like yes there are broader forces but they are being put into simple tactic 
and emotional terms. She's like, well, what, would you support me if I became president? Yes, but you would have to like that kind of stuff. It's not just this nebulous, like big sack of names that they keep throwing around. This is yeah. what I think the show does really well when it's doing that kind of stuff. Cause I like political negotiations and whatnot. It's just, I think the show's outer has this kind of outer core of just sort of floating names that I'm just like, it's all a wash until it gets brought down for lack of a better term to earth, uh, and put in through the lens of the emotional beats. So this this stuff, this whole thing of her having this tense meeting, I thought was quite good. Yeah, I loved this. This scene was great. Um, the scene ends with them shaking hands and Mirina doing a happy surprise Pikachu face. <clears throat> um, getting anywhere with this is like, oh, she's doing the thing she set out to do. Yeah. Uh, back at the Earth House, Saleta is so hungry that she actually gets out of bed and raids the fridge. Choo Choo catches her and she drags Saleta out to the hangar where the other Earth House students are all dressed like it's 1850. We got nighttime Choo Choo. She has one. <laughs> it's like all in one nightcap. Mm-hmm. That, was, that was fun. And the other students are just dressed in old timey clothes. I Pretty much. I'm like, you all, what, you all just pick the like drinking the, goat what? milk soup. Nasty. Anyway, they're making food together. They give Saleta some goat milk soup, which is gross, in my opinion, but she cries when she tastes it, so it must be good, but the whole thing is a cartoon, so they can make it taste however. Martin walks in on them, and he confesses that he ratted Nika out to the front management company because Nika was working with Donna Fold. Saleta says uh, Nika was trying trying to stop Sophie and Noria. She wasn't trying to destroy the school. Choo Choo is mad that Nika lied to them. And then Till says, only Nika can tell us why she was doing that. I failed to notice that you were struggling, Martin. However, clean the stables, enough that the animals feel better. Then Nuno says he would have done the same as Martin in his position. And the Earth House students broadly accept Martin's actions. And this is the point I texted you. Who the fuck is Till? Yeah. Because like, <laughs> there's too many kids and too many companies that like... And you wrote me back, you're like, well, he has hair up until now. I'm like, I yes, I I probably gather I've seen him before, but like, who the fuck is that? Why are they? Because I'm sorry, Till. I'm like, I don't have it. What is this guy's deal? What are his personality traits? There's too many people and too many names. And he I just... was he was introduced so early in the Earth House arc for like one second, and then he's yeah. been just a background actor for this whole time. I think one of the overarching issues of this show is it will probably set everything up, but it does it while it's setting up so many things that you just, it doesn't stick well enough. And like, I think a lot of what my, my frustration with the companies and whatnot, the seeds, they must all be in the prologue, but who Mm. remembers that specifically? It was, I'm sure it's all there, but, but exposition is like, it's like a tomato garden. You can't just plant it and walk away. You gotta, mm. you gotta attend that and use an Andalusian sunlight model or whatever Saleta was talking about. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm going to instantly forget about who these people are. And then you're like, and it was this guy all along. I'm like, no idea who this man is. Yep. And, yep. You, ma- and you made him look entirely different, which did not help. Nope. But yeah, this scene is nice because the students kind of, like Martin fesses up. And they all yeah. realized they would have done exactly what he had done in the situation. And also on Saleta's end, Saleta kind of realizes that 
like people care about her. <laughs> yeah. She she has a she's either like fully on or completely devastated. Those are her two settings. Yeah. And uh I like again that they managed to use the girl loves food so much she cries trope, but they used it in a realistic heartbreaking way. Mhm. Cuz she does cry. That's a thing. Sasha Attack on Titan, that's a that's a well-known anime trope. The girl loves food so much she cries when she eats. But every time Saleta does it, it's cuz she was either being starved in a jail or because she's like been starved for food and human contact from her depression. So when she yep. cries, it feels like something. It feels real. And what she's really it's really sweet because it's not about the soup. It's about the fact that she doesn't. She realizes she's not actually alone. Right. And I wonder. Exactly. It's my head. It's my head. Canon. She's like this fucking soup sucks, but I love these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a. Uh, it's good. I like this scene it's a, a lot. Good, it's a good scene. She I also, just wish they didn't focus on Till because it made me yeah. confuse me. <laughs> I also. She looks better with her hair down. It's a yes. better, better character look. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on, we are, we are, we're, this is going to be a long episode. We got a lot to work through. <laughs> we're, we're still kind of smarting from the last one and just, we're working out the, the Yeah. Or maybe okay, just, so on Earth in an alleyway, Gule and Avery chase down the boy. He, uh, the, the boy had heard the girl uh, named Cynthia had died. Gule tells her, tells him he like dug her a grave. He's like, it's all I could do. Captain Avery asks the boy if his uh, Dawn of Fold buddies are still there, and he says, no, and my name is not Kid. It's Sato Wanchek. And I, my note says, Chekhov's child, because yeah. one of the children died, and the other one became a plot device. Uh, he says, I'm an official refugee designated by the Special Reconstruction Plan. Benerit has a school that takes Earthians like me, right? Will you let me in? Avery says, he probably means the Academy. Gule. Grassley's child rearing program, Avery. That is that place is run by meritocracy. They even take in orphans who lost their families to war partitioning and re-educate them. Shaddock Zanelli and the other and the, their other five pilots all came from there. Uh, Sato, so you can do it, right? Gule, I don't belong to Grassley. Ask one of the academy graduates. Sato, come on, I want to be like the prince. Gule, the prince, Sato. He's an awesome guy who graduated from whatever that place is, and now he aids us Earthians. Instead of piloting mobile suits like Sophia or Noria, I'm more interested in... And then Avery comes and pins him against the wall, and he says, who told you about that? Sato, uh, who? The adults, of course. Everyone knows about it. Then uh, Gule is like, what? And then Avery says, that's Shaddock Zanelli's nickname. Jeru Ogle, that was his name before he was adopted. Since he was a remarkable child, and because of that name, everyone at the Academy called him Prince. You said it yourself. Everyone knows about it, right? And yet not one person has given us such a report. No one except you, an Earthian who lived within the Dawn of Fold. Gule does a surprise Pikachu, and then Gule calls me Arena. He says, it's Shattuck, the open camp campus, Planet Queso. They're all farces that he staged. Arrest him and grill him now. Mirina says, calm down. Do you have any evidence? Without it, he'll just shrug it off. And I said, he totally would, and in the most smug way, too. Mm -hmm. um, Mirina tells Gould to go back to the school to find Sarius um, to, and use him as evidence. And Shattuck must be keeping him close by close by in the place he feels is safest, which is Grassley House. And so I think, hang up. I think this scene is pretty strong. The one part that threw me 
was he goes well they called him because a uh, prince because he was a remarkable child and because of his old earthian now I'm like what i i'd never really gotten that shattuck was all that remarkable i'll go with it but then and then what oh, does really? his old earthian name have to do with it's like so he just had lore that we're just being told of now it felt like a weird reason to contrive the kid calling him the prince, but everything else in the scene is strong. And the fact that they instantly go Shattuck did this, I thought was, was good. It just was a sort of the, the couple of lines that Avery has felt weird to me. The, I think he's a remarkable child. It's very obvious that he's gifted and smart. Um, listen, I don't know what, uh, was it? Jeru, what, what Jeru was it? Ogle. Jerry Ogle. I'm putting into Google Translate right now. Jerry and, uh, Ogle. It. I don't know what it stands for. Uh, might it? It must be it's, something. It must I be a guess. Japanese joke. But yeah, this scene. Ama- this is how you do exposition, and it's it's not just three characters sitting in an office musing about companies. Yeah. We have we have like characters from different plot threads coming together and revealing information like this scene. I was like, this is good. Now we're back in action, you know? Yeah. And also the fact that, that Gwell puts it together so quickly and they just move. It felt like very efficient storytelling that also makes you made me at least like Gwell even more because they go like, Oh yeah, he's not an idiot. Cool, he's fl- yeah. he's grown up. He is now capable enough that when he is with me arena, I'm like, yes, you might need him because he is also smart enough to put this shit together. Because she wouldn't have figured out, or at least not, you know, with unless she got the intel that Shattuck was behind this. He was the necessary part in, and a part of that was right place, right time. But he was the one who gave her that information that she's now going to use. Like he's actually pulling his weight as a character in yeah. her goal. As opposed mm-hmm. to just being the groom who's just around. He's like, actually, like I said, he, he went from fuck boy to fuck man. And yep. he's never going back. Yep. That's the title of the episode, by the way. Fuck boy to fuck man. <laughs> <laughs> Is it cheating to bring a, a, a joke from two episodes ago as the <laughs> name for this one? Who cares? Who cares? Um. So, uh. Prospera calls Captain Avery and she's like leaving so soon. He's like, we had a sudden change of plans. He's and she's like, okay. And then Ariel activates its permit and we see uh, Ariel's gun bits launch from a uh, shipping container nearby. So Ariel wasn't armed, but its weapons were nearby. Uh, Prospera takes control like of a tank using her permit link and she uses it to shoot at Ariel. So the, the tank commander can't control the tank. He can't get it to stop. So Prospera uses the tank to fire at herself and miss. And she's like, oh, we're under attack by the demonstrators. I'm going to leave my post because they're bad. Um, she, she's like, we're unarmed, so we're evacuate, evacuating. She lifts off. Back at the Space Assembly League, Feng Jun asks Belmiria. Uh, she's like, Mirina is Earth on earth right now why quinoa harbor did those two really go for the purpose of negotiations and then at quinoa harbor uh prospera recovers ariel's rifle which has a cool little jetpack on it so the rifle can fly by itself yeah very wing zero in that moment Mm -hmm. i thought uh and then ariel and prospera break into an underground warehouse which is stockpiling gundams 
Back at the Space Assembly League, Feng Jun tells Belmeria that the two Gundams that attacked Planet Queso and Astacasia's school came from Oak's Earth. Oak's Earth has been, since it's since the Vanadis incident 21 years ago, Oak's Earth has been a covert operation building Gundams for the Dawn of Fold, and it's been funded by the High Council of the Space Assembly League. So, the Space Assembly League wants to check the Benaret Group's power, so mm -hmm. they funded Oak's Earth to make Gundams in secret and use Dawn of Fold to eventually check their power. Who made the, mobile suits for Kevin Bacon. Yes. And the whole thing about... Um, Oaks Earth is that they took the gun format and made it into weapons originally. I'm already lost. <laughs> and that, I'm trying. I'm trying. That, Oaks. Okay. So in the prologue, Oaks Earth purchased Vanadis. Vanadis developed the gun format. Okay. okay. Vanadis oh. was uh, was where Prospera and Belmiria worked. Yep. Okay. And that and is then there a lab. Oak, yeah, and then Oaks Earth purchased it and turned the medical technology into weapons. Okay. And that's the beef that Prospera has with Oaks Earth. Okay. I wish that was a little more spelled out because that's really interesting. Yeah. It's, uh, it kind of is spelled out through the details over time, but it's kind of a weird yeah. one to pick up. I do think, like I've, I've said, one of the problems with the show is I think it, it is sometimes a little too subtle for its own good. Mm -hmm. where it's like yeah okay you gotta because a lot of the stuff that is meant to be shocking with the politics is them just giving a long monologue that's that's fine but you know when it's like and this one and they're like okay i can tell that there's been a shadowy organization but again i'm having there's so many names to keep track of that i yeah so I, this next little scene is kind of where it comes out where Prospera is scanning the Gundams and finding that they're the root of the Gundam Lif uh, the Lifrith Ur and the Lifrith Thorn. And she says, the heinous sim sinners who trampled on Gund's ideal ideals. Now you're trying to interfere, interfere with Ares' future? I can't allow that, can I? And then she does her cool combination weapon attack and blows them up. Uh, below in the harbor, people think the ex explosions are a Spacian attack. And the Earth forces open fire on the Benaret Group mobile suits. At the Space Assembly League, um, Feng Jun tells Belmeria, I won't deny that I tried to use you, but it's also true that I want to avoid armed, com on armed conflict. Please lend us your support. Back on Earth, the Spacian mobile suits, mobile suit pilots lose their cool and start attacking the Earthian demonstrators, even though they're not authorized to attack. A battle breaks out, and the Earthian leaders think Mirina betrayed them. They leave. At the Space Assembly League, Belmeria tells Feng Jun and a friend that a component... Wait. Oh, tells Feng Jun and the guy that a component of Quiet Zero is at Planet Queso. Um, they board a craft, and Prospera's henchman comes out and kills Feng Jun... And he says, it was a cinch for them to win you over, wasn't it, Dr. Winston? And then Feng Jun pushes Belmeria through the doors before she gets shot and killed. So essentially, what I think is happening here is Belmeria fesses up that Prospera is insane, and she's going to do something bad with the Benaret group, and she's like, we'll go stop this Quiet Zero thing. Yeah. Um, pretty simple. 
at back on Earth, uh, Quinoa Harbor is on fire. We see a crying child looking up at a mobile suit, and everyone is watching a news report of the fighting that has broken out. Basically, everyone is upset about this, except for actual Elon, who claps and says, it turned out just like I said, so what happens now? Back at the school, Shattuck realizes that Prospera was on to him all along, and he says to himself, Ghoul, you've just defiled her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The Earth House students are watching the news in horror. Soleta sees Ariel standing among the flames and recalls Ares saying, that's why you can't cling to me anymore. Not to me or to mom. And then Saleta says she understands that Ariel was just like Martin. She, she like, Ariel knew that Prospero was going to do this. And Ariel did the only thing that she could. Back on Earth, Mirina is watching the whole incident unfold from the windows. And she's blaming herself for the whole incident. It's a really good last shot. Really good last shot. I caused this with the like the reflection of the fire. Mm-hmm. It's also just the more you think about it, the idea of of Prospera piloting her daughter that she got killed is horrifying. Yeah, just flying yeah. her around <laughs> is so creepy and abusive. Yeah, this this scene for Saleta though, this is the moment where she's breaking free of the the mom's always right thing. Yeah. Big character development day for Saleta. Yeah. I mean, all it took was her mother literally pushing her out into space. And she finally understood maybe not nice lady. So. Yeah. So. This episode was sick. We got a lot of plot devices. We kind of are advancing. We're building up to a big season finale. Yeah. Lots of good stuff here. And as much as I do, as as much as I complain about too many names in the politics, and I do think that that is true, it is interesting to me that like the Dono Fold was funded by a group trying to take down Benaret. Like, I think that there that is an interesting way to make them go from just a stray extra name, just a militia, to like, oh, there was another hand pushing this seemingly random piece on the board. Yeah, exactly. I, I I can't remember the name of whoever's doing it, but I liked that. Th- that was a good enough reveal that I'm like, okay, I want to see where this goes. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of the pieces have come together here in a very cool way. That's very. Ex- I'm very excited to see how it works out. And uh, it's like I'm optimistic about a lot of this stuff, but it's uh, not going well <laughs> right now. <laughs> but we're gonna end up with. Uh, some listener mail at the end. Um, remember, watchfrommercury at gmail.com. We're going to start off with Andrew. Mobile Suit Gundam, traumatized. Have you considered that this series is all about the lengths people will go to to maintain their hope? Prospera seems like, like, Prospera seems like this all started as a promise. She needed Dr. Cardo to prevail because Dr. Cardo gave Prospera hope that one day in her lifetime that she would have cybernetics so perfect that she wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Because of the damages that space does to people, she needed an answer before Aerie might be affected, but then Aerie became Ariel. Because of Prospera's loss of hope for Aerie, she now has gone on a 21-year revenge plot. 
Her revenge plot being build everyone's hopes as highly as possible with the promise of world peace and then crush all their dreams at once at the peace talks. Bam. Now they know how I feel. Also, have you noticed the skin tone of Saleta in the outro is a it, it's a shade darker the way Ares is. So is Mirina dancing with Ares and not Saleta? I hope not. The power dynamic on that age difference is making yeah. me sad. <laughs> May your shield be a thousand souls. I, I really like that as as sort of a thesis statement of the show. How what are you what are you willing to do to maintain hope? Because yeah. on a long enough timeline, people who will not stop clinging to hope eventually, assuming they are willing to go to any length, will hurt people to do it. They will mm. because they're essentially trying to stop reality from creeping into their fantasies. And Prospera will absolutely do that. And I like the fact that they the, the the drawing the through line of in the the the, the good quote unquote Prospera was she just wanted to have an arm that felt like an arm and she then that was taken away her husband was taken away so she did something that took her own daughter away and she mm-hmm. just fully went off the deep end to maintain this I'm going to make Ari happy make a world where Ari is happy. She's trying to essentially break reality so she never has to give up this drive that she has. And I think that's really interesting because we have seen her. It, is, it feels like a, a reasonable enough drawn like kind of arc from this character, if none of this bad shit happened, would have just worked really hard at, at medical cybernetics. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But too many buttons were pushed and she went crazy or the crazy woke up or, or whatever. And Mirina is trying to maintain uh, the hope of like keeping Soleta away from politics. And Soleta's trying to keep the hope of that her family can. And it really like like we talk about, like, what is someone willing to do when the answer to to get what I want? They have to hurt someone says a lot about a person because if they will stop there that says something about them if they will rationalize it that says something if they will go fuck it i want it bad enough says even more so (laughs) yeah so i i think that that's a really good lens to look at this show from is everybody wants to maintain hope but but people have varying degrees of like harm they're willing to do Mm -hmm. to feel that way to get that dopamine buzz that lives in their heart essentially Saletta will do anything <laughs> for that ham soup. Hell yeah. That's a good point. A lot of hope in this show. A lot yeah. of a lot of people trying to get what they want. Most of them just want to chill. Uh, yeah. Some of them just hope for like bread and stuff. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. All right. So next up, we have the second half of Mike's email. Not much to say about the episode, but I suspect you'll be annoyed as I am that the Space Assembly League is now a relevant player in the story after being absolutely nothing for so long. I've heard other people theorizing that Cathedra wasn't the ones shooting up the Vanadis labs in the prologue, so I wouldn't be surprised if we find out it was the League. That would explain where they got their dozen or so Lifrith pre-production Gundams, Mike. And he also sent us a chart for keeping track of the factions and their relationships, which is a good Twitter chart. Is the twist going to be, there weren't as many groups as you thought there were like, Oh, (laughs) so this show should have been easier to keep track of. Oh my God. (laughs) That's some Shyamalan shit right there. That'd be really funny. If 
all of the plot just really ended with like not as many corporations as you thought. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. The Space Assembly League, I am kind of annoyed that they're a major player now because of what you said, Mike, is it's like they didn't do anything until now. And then all of a sudden they're like, what? <laughs> okay. Li- listeners, right. Answer me this question. We were going to, and still will do an episode on the prologue when this series wraps up. Should we watch the prologue as a refresher? Cause I wonder if it would help, but also part of me wants to maintain the experiment of, okay, I saw that once I'm only going on what the show is telling me now. Because part of me is like, do I need to touch home plate to to run back around the bases? <laughs> I think you should dip your toe back in. I, I rewatched Maybe. it a while back just to get kind of the key stuff. But yeah. I also like read a lot about this on like the subreddit and through the fandom wiki to okay. like make sure I got the pieces because... I don't I I don't like coming into these episodes and being like, what the fuck? That's my job. <laughs> yeah, that's your job. <laughs> you can't have two people on a podcast doing that. <laughs> yeah. You gotta have one going, what the fuck? And you go, settle down, dum dum. Here's what's happening. Yeah. So we're gonna finish up with the final email from our friend Fergal. The subject line is the hell even is a space assembly league. Um now I like stories with factions within factions because they make me feel smart but Gundam's use of it has has left me confused by its stories before I hadn't experienced that with Witch from Mercury so far but this episode is what finally got me so from what I understand Oaks Earth the company that bought Vanitas Institute and made them build weapons is secretly still around and working for the Space Assembly League and they've built several Lifriths including the Thorn and Ur which they gave to Dawn of Fold Feng Jun is a Space Assembly League agent who's secretly rebelling against the higher-ups and trying to stop this. Prospera, meanwhile, used the opportunity of visiting Earth to destroy their stockpile of Lifris, either as part of the greater plan or just for revenge against Oak's Earth. I must say that the idea that Prospera has beef with Oak's Earth is something no one ever even considered before, but it makes a lot of sense, as them buying the Vanitas Institute is what led her to her friends and family being wiped out. There's a bit of problem there in the fact that I'm not even sure if Oak's Earth has been mentioned since the prologue. Yep. It raises the question of what's an acceptable length of time that should exist between a setup and a payoff. The greater as we as stand-ups know that it's a lot shorter than you would like it to be. Yeah, you kind of gotta like if last if they should have mentioned Oak's Earth once in season one after the prologue, and maybe yeah. again this season sometime. And, and I would argue maybe the Space Assembly League doesn't need to exist. Maybe Oak's Earth is just yeah. the big bad. Because it's already what's where the emotional beats coming from. Now, I don't know because I don't know what they're going to go with the Space Assembly League is now. But I'm like, that's another one where I'm like, wait, have I been told what that is and forgot? Or is that a new? Uh, five yeah. less factions, please. Yep. Uh, the greater importance the Space Assembly League may now have is another reminder that I think the show will need at least one more 12-episode season to be perfect. Amen. They're the only power other than the Benerit group we know of, and previous episodes have stated that there's even more, 
and we don't know anything about them. Like I said, I really like when stories delve into expansive world building, so it would be really neat to see all this get further explored after this arc is done. Not going to b- bother with a thousand guns bit because I made a perfectly good one last week, so you can just read that because there's only so many variations one can make. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, yeah, I'm starting to to go with you that there might be another season just because if we've got five episodes to tie up all this shit and make them kiss, that's going to be a mess. And honestly, if this season yeah. is sort of like a growing pain season where they're going to they're they're giving us what feels like too much now but it clicks in the finale and then from then onward is easier to follow and also they better fucking kiss at the end of this finale and have a relationship in season 3 i will forgive a lot yeah but i also don't know are they going to drag all this out even more into a new season if we even get one yeah i <sighs> They better just fucking kiss in the finale, right? We can agree on that. Yeah. That'll make us forgive at least a good chunk of our of our <laughs> I want of our rage. I want Saleta in the Gundam Schwarzet to save Mirina from a disaster. And there at one point, uh Mirina is flying through the air and Saleta catches her with her cockpit and they yes. fall right into a kiss or something. Yeah. I will even accept a very emotional handhold where it's implied they're going to kiss later. I'll take it. Just nah, some, give me something. No I, half I, measures. Yeah, I want, you're right. I want to, f- it, it has to be a kiss. Even if it's a kiss on the cheek. Okay. I will take it. Here's the thing. I think a kiss on the cheek would, would, would still be a half measure. Cause then I'd be like, what's the problem? Bandai couldn't, she got. We know she's got good aim. She's the best pilot in the damn school. You think she missed? No, no, she didn't. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how this wraps up. I want it to tie up nicely, but they got a lot, lot of things going on. And, and listeners, I will clear the air. I know it's a little weird that two men, one in their thirties and one almost in their thirties, are angry that two children haven't kissed yet. I'm just. I know. But I'm. But we're still right. <laughs> Listen, man. I came for the giant robots, and they hooked me. They got me. They got yeah. me with the story. They set it up too early. That episode one got our like. If they weren't gonna make them kiss, they should have handled the the first three episodes of the series way differently. Fully agree, and that's what makes me think like, all right, did did you guys plan to do this more and then lore got away from you? Did you get scared and want to back out? The end credits certainly seem to be implying they're going to go full kiss, but we don't know, but it's just, I have to say it, another week where we didn't get the fucking, come on, come on, on. stop playing with me, Bandai. Stop toying with my emotions. Just make them <laughs> something. Got to be soon. Because uh, what? This is episode 19. So I'll, I'll take it. I love you episodes. screamed through a cockpit window and <laughs> silent to the other person. I'll take it at this point. Come on. The problem is they haven't hurting had, me. They haven't had basically any time to build a real relationship in the show. Yeah, and I think that's part of what's frustrating me is I feel like I'm getting bogged down in the 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 history book of it all the, the you know the the what's going on in this world's uh backroom dealings and arms races where I'm like 
I really want, I don't need it to be a slice of life school anime, but I want that. And I want the emotional small story to feel like it has just as much or more weight. Cause I feel like this yeah. show is really making me memorize stuff when really I want to see how I want to watch Saleta and Mirina interact. And sometimes I'm even fine with it's that they're separated and that's hurting them. That to me is still interaction, something where their story is progressing. And that's why I was saying like, Cool it with the faction names. I only really give a shit about group names when it boils down to what's happening for the characters that we care about. If it's driving that, then I care a lot. If it's not, I have I'm doing my best to follow. Mm. Yeah, I'm ready. I we need the development. There, even for having yeah. a romantic subplot, it is so underserviced. Mm-hmm. Like. If this romantic subplot was a plant, this plant is dead in someone's apartment from lack of sunlight, lack of yeah. watering. <laughs> this plant was not watered. It was checked in on once a month and vaped on. Yeah. Yep. So hopefully we can get a bit of a payoff. Like, cause I just, they didn't establish enough dynamic between Saleta and Mirina for them to be missing each other. Or yeah. like having a real connection, so we'll, we'll I don't know. And they did it. In, there were moments where they did it well, like the them, you know, the thing where she's punching her, going, "You're gonna do what I say," and you do it, and you can tell what she's saying is, "Don't leave me. I care about you too much." There's yeah. great moments of those, but you're right. They they do it in such random intervals that part of me is like, "Do you guys? You barely know each other." Yeah, <laughs> I mean. Season three, I all I want, I want the slice of life Benerit group uh, are hanging out on Earth in a cabin. I just want eight episodes of me, Rena, and Saleta hanging out, going to restaurants, getting to know each other. <laughs> you know what I would kind of love, actually? If they had, let's say they do something that really pisses everybody off, and they got to take Airy and, like, go into high like they have to go in the lamb and we just watch them grow closer together by their fact that they don't have anybody else right now because they have to lay low for a while mm. we can get like a beam saber springs episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> why not all right well we got we got a lot we had a lot to discuss this week we have gone yeah. way over our usual time but Guys, thank you so much for writing in. Watch for Mercury at gmail.com. Send us whatever you got. Very happy to have you guys interacting. You guys are the best. And patreon.com slash watch for Mercury. Once again, shout out to our new patrons, um, whose names I will pull up right now. Lisa and Matthew. Thank you guys again for subscribing. Really appreciate it. So subscribe to the Patreon. Hit us up. Watch for Mercury at gmail.com. And um, that's pretty much it. So we'll talk to you all next week. Um, Alex, where can people find you? You can find me at A Facella, A F O S S E L L A, on Twitter or at Alex Facella on Instagram and TikTok. I don't I think I even remember my TikTok password, so it's just going to be five videos when I was trying, but it's there. And please leave <laughs> Watch for Mercury five stars and a nice review with words in it. It helps the algorithm pick us up. We want to grow the show. We want to we want to get just enough anime fans that everybody's cool. And not so many NFA fans that we start to get death threats. And it's a fine line to walk. And yeah. that five stars <laughs> will help us get there and then maybe regret it later. But until mm. then, please mm. do that. It really helps. With, with actual words in it, drives engagement. We would really appreciate it. 
Yep. So follow him everywhere, guys, and uh, leave the review, please. We love you. Please leave a review. Uh, follow me on Instagram at asparagus. It's like asparagus with guts at the end. And um, that's it. We'll talk to you all next week. May your shield be. I know it was 12 guns the whole time, but I made that joke about it being a thousand guns, and it's too late to back out now. Guns. <laughs>